0: Asthma is an obstructive respiratory disease. It is characterized by inflammation and narrowing of the airways. Now I'm going to describe what's a normal situation for lungs. The airway is a muscular smooth muscle tube with supportive hyaline cartilage reinforcements. The tube branches into bronchi and then branches further into successive bronchi and bronchioles which also have cartilage and smooth muscle, but as they get smaller and deeper into the lungs, the cartilage decreases and the smooth muscle increases proportionately. And so when you get to asthma, what's wrong here? Um, what is wrong is a chronic disease. The main pathophysiologic process is inflammation, and the inflammation is a reaction to allergens or irritants triggering the inflammatory cascade. Um, the inflammation leads to bronchoconstriction, hyperresponsiveness, and edema of the airway. It also can cause increased mucus secretion. So this causes limited airflow while the airway thickens. The airway walls thicken when the muscles constrict, and it can be blocked by mucus further, so it's really hard to get air in and out, and most especially expiratory release of air. So with swollen bronchioles plugged with mucus, The classic signs of asthma are wheezing, cough, dyspnea, which is difficulty breathing, and chest tightness. You may also see tachypnea or tachycardia with a nocturnal cough. The signs and symptoms of asthma vary uh, in duration and frequency. The attacks can last anywhere from a few minutes to an hour. It can be daily or weekly or monthly. The course of a severe asthma attack, you might see decreased or silent breath sounds, hyperventilation, the patient will be hypoxic, and at first you will see respiratory alkalosis as they're hyperventilating, but then as their muscles tire and they're unable to get enough air, they will get to respiratory acidosis. Complications for asthma include pneumonia, tension pneumothorax, status asthmaticus, which is a life-threatening asthma emergency, and acute respiratory failure. In addition, people with asthma can get compromised pulmonary function from fibrosis and scar tissue in the lungs, and it can be debilitating for their airway. Diagnostic tests for asthma include pulmonary function tests that identify peak expiratory flow rate, also shortened to PEFR. You can have forced expiratory volume in one second, which is FEV1, and forced vital capacity. FVC. You can also use the diagnostic of a chest x-ray. Uh, it might show thoracic hyperinflation. Uh, there's allergy tests that can identify triggers. And laboratory tests, like CBC, to see how many immature leukocytes called a left shift. That could indicate an infection. They might do a sputum culture to also indicate infection and find out the organism responsible. Um, they would check IgE levels, which are indicative of allergic reactions. ABG levels are also drawn to analyze the severity. In the treatment of asthma, you want to promote symptomatic relief and reduce the risk of complications. Monitor vital signs, intake and output, pulmonary function test results, pulse oximetry, and ABG test results. Frequently assess for complications like respiratory distress, steroid myopathy, pneumothorax, and hypoxia administer prescribed medications, monitor treatment efficacy, and for side effects. Short-term management typically includes SABAs, like bronchodilators, albuterol, butyrol, to rapidly reduce bronchoconstriction in cases of intermittent asthma. Long-term management for persistent asthma may include inhaled corticosteroids, methylprednisolone or prednisone, to reduce inflammation. Long-term management may include inhaled corticosteroids to reduce inflammation, LABAs, long-term beta agonists with like salmeterol or salmeterol with fluticazone, leukotriene inhibitors like Montelucast as alternative or adjunct treatment, Provide frequent nebulized beta-2 agonist and ipratropium aminophylline IV drip and intubation and mechanical ventilation for patients who are not responding to other treatment as ordered. Assess your patient's anxiety and coping. Provide emotional support and explain the importance of using accessory muscles to breathe when necessary. Educate about asthma pathophysiology, potential complications, treatment risks and benefits, correct use of bronchodilators and spacers, and individualized prognosis. Long-acting beta-agonist medications might increase the risk of asthma-related death. They should only be used in conjunction with another long-term asthma medication like inhaled corticosteroids by patients with asthma not adequately being controlled with other controller medicines. Factors associated with increased asthma-related morbidity and mortality include age greater than 65 years, frequent and severe signs and symptoms, illicit drug use, lower socioeconomic status, and the presence of comorbidities, like cardiovascular disease and obesity. Live flu vaccine is contraindicated in adults with asthma. Allergic rhinitis. It's the inflammation of the nasal mucosa in response to an allergen. The pathophysiology of allergic rhinitis begins with allergen exposure and sensitization, which results in the production of antigen-specific immunoglobulin E, IgE, after which mast cells respond by releasing histamines, cytokines, prostaglandins, and leukotrienes, which cause the early symptoms of sneezing, itching, rhinorrhea, and congestion. The full list of signs and symptoms are sneezing, watery, itchy eyes and nose, congestion, decreased smell, thin, watery nasal discharge, pale, boggy, swollen turbinate. With chronic exposure to allergens, the patient may develop a headache, stuffy nose, nasal congestion, and sinus pressure. Nasal polyps and postnasal drip are the most common causes of cough, and the patient may report hoarseness and the need to frequently clear the throat. There is seasonal allergic rhinitis, which happens in spring and fall due to pollens from trees, flowers, grasses, or weeds, and the attacks might last for several weeks, but then it disappears and recurs the same time next year. Perennial rhinitis occurs year-round from exposure to environmental allergens such as animal dander, dust mites, cockroaches, fungi, and molds. Both types can be classified further as episodic, intermittent, or persistent, which depends on the duration and frequency of the symptoms. Episodic is sporadic. Intermittent is less than four days per week and less than four weeks per year. Persistent is more than four days a week and more than four weeks in a year. The gold standard treatment is nasal corticosteroid spray, and they are the most effective treatment. Other treatments include antihistamines, decongestants, immunotherapy shots, anticholinergics, and oral medications, including H1, antihistamines, leukotriene receptor antagonists. There are a lot of drugs to treat allergic rhinitis. Nasal spray, it blocks nasal cholinergic receptors, reducing nasal secretions in the common cold and non-allergic rhinitis. It's called ipratropium bromide or atrovent. Then we have antihistamines. First generation antihistamine agents. um, They have the side effect of sedation and somnolence. Or conversely, they have paradoxic stimulation of restlessness, nervousness, insomnia. And they have the same side effects as anticholinergics, which are palpitations, dry mouth, constipation, and urinary hesitancy. They include brompheniramine, chlorpheniramine, clemastine, dexchlorofeniramine, diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. The second generation antihistamine agents do not have the same sedation side effects. So they cause minimal sedation and a few effects on psychomotor activities or bladder function. They are more expensive than traditional antihistamines. They include cetirizine, desloratadine, fexofenidine, levocetirizine, loratadine. And their brand names are Zyrtec, Clarinex, Allegra, Claritin, and Zyzol. Next are the second generation antihistamines that go intranasally. They block histamine release and reduce nasal congestion. They do have side effects of headache, bitter taste, somnolence, and nasal irritation. And the longer use increases risk for rebound vasodilation, which can increase congestion. Their names are Azelastine olipatidine. And then you get to corticosteroids. And these are administered nasally. They inhibit inflammatory response of allergic rhinitis. They decrease mucosal inflammation and facilitate drainage of sinuses. Systemic effects may occur with higher than recommended doses, but at recommended dose, there's unlikely systemic side effects. There will be mild transient nasal irritation, mucosal drying, nosebleeds. And in rare instances, a localized fungal infection with candida albicans. And these are butasonide, Speclomethazone, Ciclosonide, Flunosolide, Fluticazone, Mometasone, triamcinolone, Triamcinolone. And their brand names are Rhinocort, Omneris, Flonase, Nasonex. Last, you have oral decongestants. These are pseudoephedrine. Also, the brand name is Pseudophed. It stimulates adrenergic receptors and promotes vasoconstriction of the superficial vessels. It reduces nasal congestion. It also stimulates the CNS, causing insomnia, excitation, headache, irritability, increased blood and ocular pressure, dysuria, palpitations, tachycardia. Uh, The tolerance is variable and some patients will have adverse reactions and it's good to advise them of all possible reactions. A patient should inform their healthcare provider if their pre-existing cardiovascular disease, hypertension, diabetes, glaucoma, benign protostatic hyperplasia, hepatic or renal disease is present before starting pseudofed therapy. They may also have rebound nasal congestion with chronic overusage. Intranasal decongestants, are oxymetazoline, phenylephrine, which have the same method of action and side effects as Sudafed. And you should teach patients that these drugs should not be used for more than three days or more than three or four times a day. Rebound nasal congestion may occur and addiction is possible. Leukotriene receptor antagonists, LTRAs and inhibitors. These are the antagonists are Montelucast, and Zephir They suppress leukotriene activity, inhibiting airway edema, bronchoconstriction, mucus production, and inflammation. They are well tolerated. They might cause dizziness, headaches, rash, altered liver function, or GI changes. The inhibitors are Xyluton, and this has the same action, but it's. Um, you have to monitor PT levels if the patient is taking warfarin. Do not stop therapy for these leukotriene receptor antagonists without consulting a healthcare provider, and it must be given on an empty stomach.